It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. Hi, I'm Teresa. And I'm Amy. We are two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. So, Teresa, what's your highlight for this week? I have to say it's my new nephew. Oh, yes, that's um, right. Congratulations. Fun. He is a little doll face. Wells McLeod. He, Cute. you know how petite my sister-in-law is. She's just the cutest little, little oh. thing. And baby was eight pounds, oh, 12 ounces. So that's a big baby. <laughs> yeah, he was healthy. Um, he was uh, C-section, so he wasn't even coming out on his own. Aww. He would have he stayed in there longer. So, yeah, that's very exciting. And um, our family, and with people being vaccinated, got to hold him. Oh, and yay. I got to see him and meet him. So that was super exciting. And then my mother-in-law, remember back in episode 31, we talked right. about Elk Grove and helping the homeless with the gift cards if they turned in Oh, yeah. That garbage. was such a great... Great idea. Yeah. So my mother-in-law wrote into her town in Bend, Oregon, and they're going to look into the program. Oh, that's awesome. So I think that's super exciting. So, so cool. both of those are big news in my in my book. So Memorial Day was a few weekends ago, and on our website we did a short article about Memorial Day, its meaning, and its history. Yeah. Because um, I get, I'm sad when it just seems to be about barbecues and sales and right. whatnot. I think people really need to dive into what it means. But it's all about honoring and remembering those who have died in military service for our country. And that's so yeah. important. I try to thank people for their military service when I see them in uniforms or wearing something like a hat that shows the yeah. ship they served on in the Navy. And for a while, I was kind of shy about that because I had heard this report on NPR that sometimes they get upset with that. Oh. So I kind of shied away from yeah. it. But then I just decided that if people are wearing paraphernalia, then I, I kind of have decided that they are proud of their service. And right. so they probably don't mind if I thank them for it. So for sure. I've gone back to thanking yeah. them. But not only is military service dangerous, it can expose our military personnel to some awful things, as we know. Combat's terrible and can do lasting damage to those who serve even decades after the combat's finished, whether it's a loss of members of your team, seeing a civilian caught in the crossfire, or even physical injuries. Right. I mean, we talked about Melissa Stockwell, who yeah. lost her leg, and um, just the things they've seen right. during their time. The trauma. Yeah, oh, right. absolutely. So aside from the physical scars, many soldiers suffer emotional and mental scars as a result of their service. It's not only limited to combat personnel, doctors and nurses, search and rescue, pilots and other military personnel may have to address wounded soldiers and civilians, see what the enemy did to a village and its inhabitants, or just help in the aftermath of a natural disaster. I mean, they see terrible, horrific things. And I just can't even imagine what some of these people witness as a part of serving our country. I know. We take it for for granted. We do. do. You know? So these traumatic events don't just go away once... You know, they retire once they're done with their military service. Many of the incidents fade with time, and they can move on, for many of them, adjust to a civilian life. But for others, the transition back to civilian life can be extremely difficult. 
veterans experience higher instances of mental health and substance yeah. abuse, which I know we're going to cover, you know, mental health right. coming up. But yeah, some experience health issues related to service, such as damage from concussions, hearing loss, loss of limbs, or exposure to toxic substances. Post-traumatic stress disorder and depression are particularly prevalent among soldiers who experience combat Substance abuse as a result of these conditions, whether it's alcohol or pain medication abuse, is prevalent. Yeah. And I understand why. All of these conditions can significantly impact veterans, making it more difficult to find work, get an education, maintain a marriage, or even keep their homes. Right. Yeah. So there are services out there to help our veterans, thank goodness, both through the government VA programs and through nonprofit organizations. But the government ones are often very slow with significant wait times. And the nonprofit organizations are often limited by financial constraints. Oh, you know. so. This doesn't sound very happy for, you know, our podcast is obviously about inspiration and what we can do. Right, yeah. And so, you know, segue into Martin Weber, or Marty as he goes by, comes in. Marty's a U.S. Army veteran who served between 1983 and 1989. It was during his military service that Marty met Jeff Poisson. They hit it off, both sharing a love for the outdoors. Following their service, their friendship grew into more. And Marty and Jeff, I know. They became partners for 30 years. They built a landscaping business together and made it grow into a thriving business. They both experienced their share of difficulties as military veterans and worked together to support each other. So I just love that part of the story. Their 30-year union ended when Jeff passed away from cancer four years ago. And Marty blames, in part, the VA for taking so long to get Jeff in, oh, which I Yeah, get I diagnosed, get. probably. Yeah, I get. So Marty wanted to, a way to honor Jeff and help veterans in need. He donated 36 rural acres of land in New Jersey, which borders the Pinelands National Reserve, and is oh. working with other groups to build a rehabilitation center and retreat for military veterans suffering from mental illness and addiction. He's calling it, this is the sweetest, Jeff's Camp. Oh. I love that you're, you're, Amy's dressed in camo. (laughs) (laughs) It just works. Yeah. The property, which is valued over $3 million, will be open to homeless veterans, giving them a place to get off the street and receive mental health and addiction treatment. Both of these conditions are extremely hard to treat effectively without stable home environments, and Jeff's camp will provide a sober living residence. In addition to mental health and addiction treatment, vocational counseling will oh, be that's available. Great. I know. That's what you need. Win, I mean, yeah. just win win all over. On top of that, it'll all be nestled into a beautiful wooded setting. Oh. So just, I think, a beautiful story. Marty will be working with two already established homeless outreach programs. One, a rehabilitation and vocational training program called Just Believe. And the other, an addiction rehabilitation program called New Life Addiction Services. In an interview with NJ.com, Paul Hulse, the director of Just Believe, said, While New Life is working with them on the medical side, we can work on the rehabilitative vocational side, getting them back into society, touching people, getting back into the public eye, and getting people what they need. That's what the store is going to do. So as part of the program, those at Jeff's camp will run a thrift store designed to give the veterans retail and business experience as well as help fund the program. Oh, that's really cool. Another win-win yeah. for everybody. So, yeah. on this past Memorial Day, just believe post on Facebook, we believe that housing and medical services should be available to all, especially those who put their lives on the line for our country. This Memorial Day, we're humbled and excited to raise awareness for Jeff's Camp, a transitional housing and medical facility for homeless veterans 
coming soon to Barnegat, New Jersey. Okay. This collaboration with New Life Centers was made entirely possible through Ocean's County veteran Martin Weber's generous donation of his 36-acre property. His donation will serve as the future location for Jeff's camp, a tribute to his late partner, Jeff Poisson, whose acquaintance Weber made while in the military. Weber shares our belief that housing and access to affordable health care is a right for all veterans. This, unfortunately, is not the reality for so many veterans. Many of them face homelessness and lack of access to basic necessities such as shelter, food, and medicine. Well, if we can envision a better solution, together we can build it. I just love this. We can fix things for our returning military personnel. Yeah. They sacrifice so much for our country by serving in the military. And at the very least, we can support them when they come home. Yeah. Not everyone has a huge piece of property they can donate or even a bunch of money they can give to a charity. But everyone can figure out some way to help a veteran. Maybe it's helping at a soup kitchen or mowing an older veteran's lawn. Maybe it's volunteering at a charity that helps veterans find work. Maybe it's even spreading the word about veterans in need and what can be done to help them. I'm going to chime in. My youngest one used to make cookies oh. for the vice principals mm-hmm. at her school, her K-8 through school. Mm-hmm. He's not there anymore, but she did that a couple of years in a row. She did it on Veterans Day, mm-hmm. but yeah. To same, thank him. Just a small thing. It doesn't Aww. have to always be a big yeah, thing. but just it's a big thing, I'm sure, to him. Yeah. It was a big gesture. Right. So That's so sweet. We've been talking all along on our podcast about how little acts, small things done by many people can make a huge, powerful impact. And I think this is just an example of an area where people coming together and working together are making a huge difference. And I just think it's beautiful. We're going to put up some links on tangentialinspiration.com on how you can donate to Jeff's camp and some other ways you can help out our military veterans. enjoyed watching Michael J. Fox over the years. First is Family Ties is oh Alex B. Yes. Keaton. I love that yeah. show. Mallory. I always wanted to be Mallory. Oh, I know. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Great show. Uh, where he met his wife, Tracy Poland, who played his on-screen girlfriend. Of course, later came the Back to the Future movies and sitcoms like Those were good Spin too. City and The Good Wife. And I haven't seen The Good Wife. I haven't but. either, but he's been in so many great roles. Mm-hmm. He always seems to play a funny, likable character, mm-hmm. someone you want as a friend. You know, I knew he had Parkinson's disease, but I really didn't know much more about his personal life. And after reading his recent book, No Time Like the Future, An Optimist Considers Morality, I really got a sense of his personal journey with Parkinson's and how he stays optimistic and hopeful. At 29, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's My disease. Gosh, I know. He was so so young. young. Yeah. That's wow. I know. I didn't realize he was I knew he was young, but Yeah. He this is he said Trace he and Tracy just held each other after the news and cried. I had read or maybe saw him in an interview one time where he said when he told her she didn't even blink. It yeah. was just like she was this think, was us together. We're right. Gonna, we're gonna right. figure this out. Yeah. So I just loved that already right there that yeah. it was teamwork. Oh, she's totally by his side. And he kept it a secret for seven years. I mean, really out of the fear of how it would impact his acting career. Then in 2000, he became an advocate and launched and founded the Michael J. Fox Foundation to help fund research. So far, it's raised over $800 million, which is totally awesome. That's huge. $800 million. That's a lot. Just a background, Parkinson's disease is a long-term degenerative disorder of the central nervous system. It mainly affects the motor system. 
I loved his description of the disease. Every movement, every command is like a negotiation between Donald Trump and Nancy Pelosi. (laughs) And as he said in his book, he doesn't have to say who's in charge. I mean... (laughs) I, since he I know, there. but I, I just can't imagine that conflict. No. You know, I, you're, you're you're wanting your body to do mm-hmm. something and it's doing something it else. do it. Yeah. yeah. And that he's still having a sense of humor right. in even just describing his condition. Yeah. Admirable. Symptoms emerged slowly. For Michael, it started with a twitch in his left little finger. Unlike Michael, the average age is 60 So for the disease. So he was quite young. 30 years young. Yeah. And I was struck by his optimistic outlook. Early in his diagnosis, he kept acting, block his body with furniture or another actor. Mm-hmm. To, and sometimes he would just use it, his disease to bring out some aspect or character that he portrayed. The other thing I really enjoyed reading about in this book was his tight-knit family. First and foremost, his strong relationship with his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tracy is a constant one who goes to almost all of his doctor visits <laughs> and asks all the right questions. I mean, she's there to hold his hand, love him when things are rough, root him on, and take care of their their kids. Mm-hmm. But I also really appreciate his love and appreciation for her. He gushes how he couldn't be doing all that he does without her love and support. They have four grown children, Sam, 32, and then twins, Aquina and Schuler, 26, and their youngest, Esme, is 19. Very unique names. Well, yeah, Aquina is named after a little town in Martha's Vineyard. Oh. Tracy's family's been going there since she was a kid, Mm. and so it's got really Mm -hmm. strong ties ties there. Yeah. And it's really sweet. Sam calls him Pops. (laughs) And the girls, and I love how he puts it in the book, is dude, not dude. It's like real emphasis on that. And they just, they ask how they refer to him. As I read his book, I could feel the love for one another. I really admire their closeness. Michael's optimism is contagious. He has an earlier book and actually had a short film, Always Looking Up, The Adventures of an Incurable Optimist. I think he has, I think he has four because I was reading Oh, there's many. Yeah, he's got a couple others. Yeah, They said even more than an actor, he's... An author. He's an author. He writes. So, yeah. yeah. He's got several books. This, Yeah, so I watched that documentary, and he highlights several different people who are optimistic like himself, starting with his friend Lance Armstrong, how he beat <laughs> cancer uh, and hmm. won the Tour de France mm-hmm. seven times consecutively. I, you know, my, yeah. you know how I feel about Lance Armstrong, but yeah. still, you know, Livestrong helped so many people. Right. So still yeah. a great foundation, and... And even though I don't agree with everything he did and and whatnot, it's still, I still admire him in that area. Yeah. Yeah. Another was a friendly newspaper man out selling newspapers out in New York City. I love, Michael joined him in handing out the papers. And a woman stopped and said to Michael, pointing to to the other man, he's more famous than you. And Michael just (laughs) kind of laughed. He just doesn't take himself too seriously. Hmm. But I just like how he just joined in. Rolled with it. Rolled with it. yeah. Yeah. And I'm also inspired by this curiosity to explore the spirit of optimism in others. Mm-hmm. In this film, he went to this country called Bhutan. It's in oh, the eastern Himalayas. Happiness. Yeah, happiness the ha- diaries. Yes. Happiness diaries. Yeah. yeah. That borders China and India. The country is the only country to have a gross happiness index mm-hmm. to measure the happiness and well-being of its people. 
the Bhutan people are visibly happy. And Michael commented that while he was visiting, his symptoms subsided and he actually had to remind himself to take his medication. Hmm. And he wasn't sure if it was like the higher elevation or the altitude meds or just maybe the remarkable people he encountered. Or maybe a combination. Yeah, it could be all of it. And the last part I really enjoyed in this little documentary. No, you said it's also a It's it's like it's a book book and and it's like a 42-minute video. It's the part where he and his son, Sam, went to the inauguration of President mm. Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. And Michael was, you know, just chatting and talking with, the, with people in the crowd. And at one point, his son just puts his arm around his dad. You can, mm. I just, you can just see their... Get teary. Yeah, you can see their love. And he was describing that moment of hope just for mm-hmm. the country. I, I really admire and respect Michael's ability to pivot in his career, you know, adjusting his body when it wasn't cooperating, mm-hmm. blocking or including in his character, turning his focus on research for the disease, writing many books. The reason I really admire him for doing the research for the disease yeah. is that he's not doing it for himself. This no. is for future for generations. For future generations. Yeah. And he also really prefaces that he gets the patient involvement in their experience. So, so. it's not just funding mm-hmm. it with the research, but it's also how working it's with. working with patients mm-hmm. and how it's going to impact them. His recent book that I just read to uh, No Time Like the Future, he talks about a really rough time in his life when his health manifested this fear. Prior to this point, he's always kind of drawn upon Franklin Delano Roosevelt's quote, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself, mm-hmm. which those are really strong mm-hmm. words to live by. And you know, up until this point, he really had made peace with his Parkinson's. However, in 2018, as he puts it in his book, it would be a shit show. Mm-hmm. You know, he was diagnosed with a tumor in his spine at age 57. And it was not diagnosed sooner because his symptoms are so similar to Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. So... At first, they were kind of watch and see kind of how yeah. it went. And then the he was in so much pain, he decided to have the tumor removed, which was a super risky spinal surgery. So Michael and Tracy interviewed many neurosurgeons. And they finally went with someone out of John Hopkins, who are the A-team, as described by Michael, the best of the mm. best. And it would be a long and grueling recovery. He had to learn to walk again, 24-hour care for months. Mm. And besides the great medical team by his side and his, you know, family and friends, he had his longtime assistant, Nina Rutnaman, he thought about his life. And he's like, I'm probably done acting, done golfing, an activity he just recently had picked up, and, you know, maybe even done walking. What I found so incredible is that he has such an authentic way of describing his experience, his recovery, the endless therapy, how he navigates a room, he counts steps thinking about the environment around him, the people. You just don't even understand that. Yeah. At one point in the book, he talks about visiting his mother, surprising her up in Canada. And he knew he had how many steps to kind of get to her and then how he could hug her and then kind of move mm-hmm. away because he didn't, you don't want to take your, your mom down. Mm-hmm. So uh, it just really gave you a perspective of the disease. A day in their life. And then having this yeah. on top of it. Uh, he had all sorts of therapy beyond physical therapy. He had speech therapy and occupational therapy where he had to relearn simple tasks like loading the dishwasher, carrying laundry, setting oven temperature correctly. And this is funny. Tracy teased him that he doesn't need to learn about, you know, <laughs> you're more likely to get a, get a picture of Bigfoot than to see Michael load a dishwasher. <laughs> I just love their sense of humor with each other. It really lightens mm-hmm. the mood, the, heavy. the heaviness. 
And he comments also how ta- mentally tasking occupational therapy was, doing all those everyday mm-hmm. tasks. But his son, Sam, was often there in the morning sessions with him, which I just think is so sweet because mm-hmm. he's he, right now he's a professional. He's out of college. back. Hopefully they're all there, yeah. which I think is really Very incredible. Sweet. Very telling. Very telling of, the of their family. family. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So after leaving John Hopkins, he continued with this daily physical therapy. I mean, aides with him 24 hours a day. So mm-hmm. someone in the morning and then throughout the night. I mean, he was never alone, which I, I would think that'd be so hard to have no privacy. Yeah. Uh, summer approach, he continued re- to recover. And while doing therapy, they decided to make their Long Island home base camp for the summer. So that's what they've kind of always done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And feeling able to travel in August, they headed to Martha's Vineyard for their annual two-week vacation. And then Michael got a call from Spike Lee to do a cameo in a film by young producer Stefan Bristol, See You Yesterday. Spike asked Michael to play a high school science teacher discussing time travel with a student, kind of a nod to the uh Back to the Future Mm -hmm. movies. Uh, he decided to do it, cut his vacation short. His One of the twins, Schuler, went back with him, and she wanted to stay with him mm-hmm. in the apartment. But he was like, no, go home. Aww. He really wanted his independence. And the next morning he gets up to go for this shoot. He's kind of barreling in the kitchen and takes the, a corner too sharply and falls mm-hmm. really hard. And he didn't want to call Tracy, so he calls his assistant, <laughs> Nina, and she was there, like, in a flash, but his arm was in so much pain. She called the ambulance. It turned out he had a spiral fracture of his humerus, which oh. meant he, you know, twisted it when he yeah. fell. And like he said, there's nothing XXing funny about that. <laughs> it required surgery and lots of hardware. And Michael was freaked out, worrying that he injured his spine in mm. the fall. He felt bad being so cavalier about being alone, which I totally get. No. Wanting just some independence. Hindsight. Hindsight. I mean, when you you yeah. look at it. Yeah. And then all the shame creeped yeah. in. He worried about all the people he let mm-hmm. down, his surgeons, the medical team. His Which none of them would care. They would no. only care about his safety and well-being. Right. He, he didn't need to worry about yeah. this. But he's it had an impact. And very sweet that that's the first thing that he's, he's thinking, thinking about, about is everybody else. Yeah. And then, of course, he's also thinking, okay, that means more <laughs> rehab, more therapy. I'm going to have more 24-hour <laughs> care, which... Thankfully, the surgeon put to rest the surgery, the worry that his spinal cord was fine. But, but this accident created a fear that Michael had not experienced before. It really shook his optimistic mm-hmm. outlook. In having to learn to live and adapt to his Parkinson's, this accident rattled him. Mm-hmm. And even after the rehab and therapy and his arms healed, he just couldn't shake the fear of something else bad happening. It took time and experiences like when he went back for his year check at john hopkins on the way uh, him and his assistant stopped at some strip mall and he grabbed a cinnabon and a total stranger comes up to him and is like you know recognized him mm-hmm. he's like you, know, you really had an impact on my life and Aww. and so michael's like well what's your name and you know thanked him for it but later he reflected on how grateful he was for that interaction mm-hmm. and then he got a good bill of health from the surgeon saying his spinal cord was healed and recovered and those words of restoration were new for him because dealing with the Parkinson's for many years, you don't ever get that hope, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the spine was healed. healed. And so I think that progress gave him there. progress. Yeah. I think that gave him some real hope. And then he also talked about a young man who really inspired him, uh, Jimmy Choi, who's also afflicted with Parkinson's. He became involved with the Fox Foundation and got to know Michael. 
And Jimmy was diagnosed at 27. So, so kind of like, so yeah, like Michael. And he kept it a secret. Mm-hmm. He tried to ignore the disease and his health really deteriorated. And he had an epiphany one one day when he was carrying his nine-month-old down the stairs and his one of his legs just wouldn't move. Mm. And so he fell. You know, fortunately, his son wasn't injured. But, you know, he decided he wanted to change his life. He began to lose weight and push himself. He signed up for the 2012 Chicago Marathon just months away. Mm-hmm. The race was closed, but he contacted the Fox Foundation. And like other charities, they get mm-hmm. a certain mm-hmm. amount of bibs yeah. for their runners right. to raise money. So they gave Jimmy one to run. But he became more involved with the foundation. He has completed four Ninja Warrior. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty impressive. And I love how Michael told Jimmy that he's had a lot of mentors throughout his life, but Mm -hmm. he doesn't have many heroes. You know, saying Mm -hmm. to, I think saying that to Jimmy, you're one of them. Mm -hmm. I think it's so awesome the way he shared his admiration for Jimmy. And a fun fact, after that horrendous year Michael endured, he got a tattoo of a sea turtle on his right forearm. Apparently back in 99, when he was on vacation with Tracy, he was swimming in the ocean in the Virgin Islands, and he came upon this tattered sea turtle with this fin that was really kind of battered. And they swam together for a while. <laughs> and it made him think that this guy has been through a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and he had he earned the right to go where he wants. So that gave him a nudge to start a new career because he was kind of toying with, should mm-hmm. I continue with Smith mm-hmm. City? Or now should I start that foundation? And, and that's exactly what he did. He started the Fox Foundation for research. It reminds me of the turtle in um, the Dory movie. Oh, yeah. Where he's just kind of, you know, telling him <laughs> his, his stuff, too. Giving him a little nudge. Nudge. I, it's just, I just love it. From the universe. Exactly. And it's interesting. I found out that he wrote this book over this past year during COVID. And his family was all quarantined together. Mm. As it, they hadn't been under the same roof for a long time. And I love Tracy cooked wonderful meals. She's a fabulous cook. She's co-authored a a book, Mostly Plants. That's the most recent one. Then there's another book with her sisters, Dana and Lori, and her mom, Corky. As a side note, I just want to give her a shout out because there's definitely a lot more to say about her. But anyway, the Fox clan spent time together talking about world issues, doing puzzles, and Finally, Michael says it comes down to gratitude. That's mm-hmm. how he kind of got his compass back. Mm-hmm. Is every break, every wrong turn, unexpected losses, because they're real. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about that. Mm-hmm. Just you learn more time from your failure, yeah. and the things than the things the that things are success. That have gone right. Yeah, than things that have gone well. You definitely learn from mistakes and he, hardships. Exactly. He's definitely a glass half full kind of guy. I really enjoyed this book. I felt inspired and a sense of hope after finishing it. It was. So refreshing to read about his family and their love and support of each Not other. Not common in Hollywood. No, Hollywood that's what families. I think I thought yeah. was so refreshing. It's that they do the time together mm-hmm. and just simplicity. And they've been together They've forever. been together. It's just awesome. Very sweet. And I kind of needed that reminder about being grateful because I think it's so easy to just focus on the negative. Mm-hmm. And it kind of brings... Well, and if anybody could focus on the negative, he had every he right to focus on the negative. But he, he, but he didn't. No one would blame him. Right. But yeah. And even when he did, even when he had that tailspin mm-hmm. after that surgery, he, he was able to to switch turn gears. Turn around and pivot. And, P- yeah. yeah. I just love that. So I was just, I felt really inspired by that. And it, it kind of changed my perspective. Mm-hmm. The, but the books and the documentary mentioned will be posted on our website, tangentialinspiration.com. I'm so happy you, you shared about yeah. Michael J. Fox because I've always known that he does a lot for Parkinson's disease, yeah. obviously. But I didn't know... Much about his family or... Right. 
Right. And I didn't know, I found out too, he's a musician too. He loves to play the guitar. He loves, well, he loves rock. And so, yeah. I wonder if he has a playlist. I don't know, but he was, he was uh, in that documentary. They show him Mm -hmm. playing the guitar. Playing the guitar. Very cool. So that's kind of fun. With gratitude, optimism becomes sustainable. Stephen Pollan. We're going to laugh. I was looking at a stack of books on my husband's side of the bed, and this one (laughs) caught my eye. Humor? Seriously? Why humor is a secret weapon in business and life. Ooh. By Jennifer Aker and Naomi Bagadonis. Hmm. Well, Jennifer and Naomi teach a course on this topic at Stanford Graduate School of Business, and I love this. As the students enter the class, they will hear Rebel Rebel by David Bowie playing with an SNL sketch (laughs) queued up. For the lecture, I would love to take yeah, this I class. Yeah, I want to take that class. I mean, it sounds like a lot of fun. This book is fascinating on how humor can improve work productivity, workplace, and improve overall work environment and one's well-being. Mm-hmm. I believe it, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They examine research in behavioral science relating to humor, as well as getting a crash course in humor techniques from Second City comedy experts Anna Libra and Kelly Leonard. They train comedians like Stephen Colbert and Steve Carell. Yeah, from Office, right? Yes. Yeah. It's interesting. They talk about this humor cliff. The average four-year-old laughs 300 times a day, whereas us adults, <laughs> it ha- that happens, that number happens every two and a half months. Is that not oh sad? Gosh. Oh my gosh. I believe it though, because my little nephew, like as we were leaving, when yeah. we were doing this, he's, you know, using potty talk and then he's just belly laughing right. at the potty talk. But just think of all that chemical interaction that's making him good, you know, feel yes, good. Exactly. You know? They point out that adults tend to focus on trying to be more professional in the workplace instead of just mm. being human. And both are needed to create this healthy work environment, as well as studies showing the presence of humor increases team performance in the moment and then over time. Mm -hmm. I just found it kind of interesting. And it's not just about telling jokes. It's just about the levity. Just being aware of that. And having a sense of humor. And having a sense of humor. Willing maybe to laugh at a mistake Mm -hmm. or whatever. Not put people down, but just there are so many benefits to humor. Humor helps us remember, you're going to love this, especially after in episode 31 you talked about Jon Stewart. And The Daily Show, the Pew Research poll found that viewers remembered more current events <laughs> after watching The Daily Show or Stephen Colbert's report versus regular news sources. Yeah. See, I and that's that. real data. I, yeah. It's, yeah. I'm not, it's I mean, not, they they note that they are entertainers, but they are yeah. you know, spot on usually. But because it's in a humor, yeah. it, you remember people that's... remember it. So humor also helps us build trust. And I love this. As quoted by Maya Angelou, I don't trust anyone who doesn't laugh, which is true. If oh. someone's so serious, you're not mm-hmm. you're less likely to maybe trust them. I mm-hmm. would. I don't know. As a friend. Yeah, As a friend. I that. Laughter brings people closer together and shared experiences in the moment. Not only does humor make the workplace better, it also improves our longevity. Researchers from Norwegian University of Science and Technology found both men and women with a strong sense of humor lived longer. Mm, then I'm going to live forever. <laughs> I know. I love it. And I keep telling I, my boys how funny I am. And I don't just, believe it. But. I'm just glossing over this book. I'm highlighting a few points that just jumped out mm-hmm. at me. It's a great read. We'll have information about the book on our website, tangentialinspiration.com. I'm so curious. Thanks. He heard about that. And what? we are. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so he bought the book. Oh, so. good find. Yeah. Don't let your failures define you. Let them teach you. Barack Obama. 
Thanks for listening to Tangential Inspiration. We really want to hear from you. Email us your comments or story suggestions at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com or leave a comment on our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Our website has all our podcast episodes, show notes, stories, follow-ups, and links to websites and books we talk about. Like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, and you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great week.